money with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. I'm so possessive, so I rock his rock necklaces. My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. Yes, people, it is Thursday, which means we have our official episode of Echo Chamber for the week. And as we do, we will start with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 4th to the 6th of June. At number 10, people. It is a Demon Slayer, the movie Mugon Train. So this is from director Haru Sutakaki. At number nine, we've got Araya and the Last Dragon from Don Hall and Carlos Lopez Estrada. At number Seven people What have we got at number seven? Well, I can tell you It is Chloe Zaho's Nomadland Which, um, yeah, tremendous film We covered it during last year's London Film Festival Then at number six It is Tom and Jerry the movie from Tim Story Ain't Tim Story did Toy Story, right? I think Hmm, I might be wrong <laughs> At number five, people We're in that top five It is um, Adam Wingard's Godzilla v Kong Boom! You know what I mean? This has been, uh, yeah, doing its thing. You know what I mean? Like, poof. Yeah, we're, we're seeing a few films, it would seem, transition from, you know, the platforms to try and revigorate the, uh, you know, the, 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 the box office, get people moving, heading over to the cinema, which, you know, not a bad thing, right? Makes a lot of sense. Hear me? Which, and also, it gives people that don't have things such as, you know, HBO Max and the like, the opportunity to uh, see these things. Alright, so, at number six, people. No, at number four. Going in a... uh, Wrong direction Wait, hold on I don't even know where the fuck we are (laughs) No, okay I made a mistake That Kong was at number 6 This is the number 5 It is Dream Horse Right, it is Dream Horse from Euros Lynn. 
<laughs> okay, so that means now at number four, it's the conjuring the devil made me do it. This iteration is from Michael Caves. So we are now at number three. And we've got another Disney uh, flick up in the uh, top ten. This time, it is the Dalmatians prequel. We have got Craig Gillespie's Cruella. So, at number two, it is Will Glock's Peter Rabbit 2. Which means ruling the box office is a quiet space too. A quiet place too, people, from John Krashkanaski. So boom, that's uh that's what's rocking the top ten. Before we get into this week's films, let's hear a little bit of information you might want to put in your calendars, people. Alright, alright, see you in a bit. Okay, horror fans, Mark. Thursday the 12th of August in your calendars That is right Because Shudder AMC Network's premium streamer for horror, thriller and the supernatural Have announced that the new event series Slasher Flesh and Blood Starring horror legend David Cronenberg Bum, bum, bum. Will exclusively stream on the service in the US, Australia and New Zealand Beginning Thursday, August the 12th With two episodes followed by new episodes streaming each week The series follows a wealthy, dysfunctional family That gathers for a reunion on a secluded island only to learn they'll be pitted against one another in a cruel game of life and death. Ooh. All while being stalked by a mysterious masked killer. Nothing is what it seems, and no one is safe as detention and body count ratchets up. The eight-episode event series stars Cronenberg alongside cast members from previous installments of the slasher franchise in brand new roles, including Paula Brancaddy, Jefferson Brown, Patrice Goodman, Sabrina Gredjevic, and Christopher Jackot. Right, so, um, yeah... Adding to the cast will also be Rachel Crawford, Jenna Guzan, Sidney Meyer, and Alex Ogerola. So, um, there you have it, people. There you have it. You know, slasher, flesh and blood is like knives out, 
stunned by John Carpenter and takes the slasher franchise to a new level with a gripping and scary story about family secrets, intrigue, murder and legacy. Um, we're incredibly lucky to have David Cronenberg, an icon of the genre, giving a standout performance as the fearsome, intimidating patriarch of the Galloway family, who sets the tone for the shocking twists, crazy mysteries, and total mayhem that's to come. Shudder members won't want to miss a single episode of this incredible event series, and that is from Shudder General Manager Craig Engler. I mean, yeah, he won't steer you wrong. No, but seriously, everything on Shudder is great. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything I haven't enjoyed yet. So, yeah, I think this will be worth watching. So, people, the 12th of August, mark it down. Oh, people, some more festival information for you. The Etheria Film Night have announced that they will be streaming, right, their 2021 official short films showcase lineup exclusively on Shudder, starting from Friday the 25th of June all the way through to the 25th of July. This year's festival, the world's most respected annual showcase of horror, science fiction, fantasy, action and thriller films directed by women will feature nine short films and honour the Walking Dead showrunner and executive producer Angela Kang with the 2021 Etheria Inspiration Award given annually to a person in the entertainment industry who has inspired women to pursue careers working in genre film and television. Producer Gail Ann Hard will present the award to Kang, with the ceremony included as part of the official Aferia 2021 content streaming on Shudder. The 2021 lineup has come has some of the funniest things we've ever programmed alongside some of the darkest and most disturbing things we've ever programmed. And that is from Etheria Director of Programming, Heidi Honeycott. Mm-hmm. Right, so, um, yeah, she also says, and we're so happy to be screening on Shudder for the second year in a row. Dum-dum-dum. Right, so, um, yeah, people, I mean, do you really want to miss all of this? You know, Gail and Heard says, the Ethereum Film Festival is the preeminent forum showcasing the many talented women working in the genre field as the walking dead's first female showrunner angela kang has proven herself to be a visionary in the horror sci-fi medium and she is also one of the most talented people working in television today <laughs> yeah 
you know, and Kang says, as a lifelong fan of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, action and thrillers, I am truly humbled to be in the company of the incredible women of Etheria. Um and who have been honoured over the years with their Inspiration Award, not least the incomparable Gail Ann Hurd. I am on a trail she blazed and loved that Etheria is showcasing new genre films created by women who want to travel the same exhilarating path. So, um, yeah, there you have it, people. It is... Uh, it is going to be coming at you, which uh, should be fun. Right, some of those films that will be screening. Okay, uh, we've got The Fourth Wall. This is directed by Kelsey Bowling. Um, we've got Narrow, directed by Anna Chazelle. Have You Will Never Be Back from Monica Matteo. Booster Strapped from Katy Aaron. Uh, Misfits from Kayani Ray Walker. The Grey from Myra Aquino. Polar Votron 500 from Sylvia Concia. Eye Exam from Aslim Clark. And who goes there from Astrid for Vladson? <laughs> you know, so, um, hey, looks like it is going to be a fun uh, festival, people. So go check out the Ethereal website. And remember, it will start Friday the 25th of June, running all the way to the 25th of July, exclusively on Shudder. Yo, something that people missed in 2020 were those pop-up cinema screens. But people, people, do not worry. 2021, it's a new year. And the screens are back. Pop-up screens are delighted to announce their return to London with an enormous season of outdoor cinema packed with feel-good movies, guilty pleasures and cult classics that make your film all warm and fuzzy inside. Pop-up screens invite you and your family to indulge in an evening that you won't forget with your loved ones. It's relaxed atmosphere and friendly vibe, praised by critics across the country, will have you coming back year after year. This year, pop-up screens will span across eight London parks. That's right, people, eight. And open spaces over three months, launching on, oh shit, my birthday, the 9th of July at Coram's Fields with the fan favourite, The Craft. Pop-Up Screens offers films for fans of all genres, including smash hit musical dramas such as The Greatest Showman, A Star Is Born, 
Bohemity Rhapsody and Rocket Man. For audiences wanting nostalgia, fans will be able to revisit fan favourites such as Back to the Future, The Goonies and Dirty Dancing. Um, plus a whole lot more. You know, you can uh, join them for a movie or two and you'll find a great environment along with a bar and some of London's best street food traders. So, the uh, the films that you can enjoy, people, well, on, as I said, starting on the 9th of July at Crom's Fields is The Craft, the 10th... Um, is the greatest showman the 11th bill and ted face the music then over to bishop's park in fulham on the 16th with 10 things i hate about you 17th dirty dancing and the 18th the goonies then it's north greenwich from the 23rd of july for 500 days of summer Greece on the 24th and Back to the Future on the 25th and July ends at Hillfields in Broccoli so on the 30th July is the Goonies and the 31st Dirty Dancing uh, staying on Brockfield um, on the 1st of August it's the Greatest Showman then back to Crom Corman's Fields on the 6th of August. Three films on the 6th with you've got Jojo Rabbit, Pretty Woman, and Ghostbusters. Then Hammersmith, you're not forgotten because on the 13th at Ravens Court Park, you've got Jaws. On the 14th, it's Bohemian Rhapsody. And then the 15th, it's The Greatest Showman. The Guild Hall in the City of London people. On the 16th, um, you've got um, The Greatest Showman. To 17th, you've got Moonlight. On the 18th, you've got Philadelphia. The 19th, it's The Beach. The 20th, it's Dreamgirls. And the 21st of August is Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Then, Hiver Green, people. From the 27th of August at Manor House Gardens, we got Bohemian Rhapsody. On the 28th, it is The Greatest Showman. And then on the 29th of August, it is A Star is Born. But that's not all. So back to Bishop's Park in Fulham for the 3rd of September. Because it's Rocket Man. The 4th, it's A Star is Born. Then the 5th, it's The Greatest Showman. So then on the 10th of September... It is back to Hammersmith, so Ravens Court Park, it's Dirty Dancing. On the 11th, it is at Jurassic Park. And the 12th, it is Rocket Man. And it all ends at the Oval in Kennington Park. Right, so 17th of September, it's The Greatest Showman. The 18th, it's Notting Hill. And then the 19th of September, it all closes with a star is born. So you can book tickets and find out more at 
popupscreens.co.uk. Adult tickets are £14, and those under 12s, it is £9. But remember, people, there will still be COVID policies in place. But yes, for more information, people, go down and check out popupscreens.co.uk. Okay, people, so now um, we've got all of that out the way. Let's get into this week's films. All right, sit back, let's go. Catch my fly and my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. People, I've got to say. There have been some really good fucking foreign films on Netflix. Some really good foreign films, people. You know what I mean? Like, we had Beast. That was very good. Um, Below Zero. Yeah, some fun shit, right? And, like, the dubbing. Dubbing is good. Dubbing is good. You know what I mean? I've enjoyed it, right? So, it's always it. But... Yeah, they they always come with the English title, so you don't necessarily know it's a foreign film when you first kind of click on that shit, right? I'm just like, just keep the Spanish or whatever, right? So yeah, this this week I checked out a new Spanish film, okay? Called it's called Extreme, but the the, the Spanish name is Extremo. I like Extremo better. I mean, it's got that ring to it because this film is extreme. Oh shit! <laughs> That's what this is, people. So it's from director Daniel Benmeyer. Um, it is written by well, it's a supposedly original idea from Teo Garcia, right? So um then. He worked with Gennaro Rodriguez and Ivan Ledesma to um, write the script. Yeah. Um, we have producing the film Vincente Canales, Tony Carrizoso, Olga Garriga, Esta Valleco. And Julieta Videla. Music is from uh, Lucas Vidal. Casting is Oana Martinez. Production design, Buta Galata. And our cast. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people. Our main peoples are. So, Teo Garcia. He also stars in the film as Max. Um, we've got Oscar Sineda as Lucero, Max's brother. Uh, we've got Andrea Duro as Maria, um, their sister. Um, then there is Sergio Perez Mancheta, who is Finito, um, Lucero's top henchman bodyguard as it were 
Um, we then have Oscar Casas as a Leo. Um, I think, I think we could say they're the main people. I'd say maybe. Actually, actually, I think you gotta give it up for Isa Montalaban, um, who plays Daniela, Leo's girlfriend, because. And she does get a bit of a rough ride in this, right? I kind of feel she gets a bit of a rough ride, right? But, um, yeah, uh, that's that, right? So, basically, the gist of the piece. Um, two years after the murder of his son and father, a retired hitman, Sets in motion a carefully crafted revenge plan against the killer, his own brother. I mean, technically, he's not, but you know, right? So, like, just the gist of this essentially is right, we have a, a crime lord, crime lord who's got three kids Lucero, his own flesh and blood son. Right, he's got his adopted daughter Maria, and then there's Max, who he, he you know, what I mean, he he's an employee, but he he's you know, round about the same age as Lucero. He's they're so close. He's helped out so much. He's looked upon as a son. Right, so that's the whole gist, and they were meant to be making this big play. Right, joining up two big families. Right, they were joining up with the Colombians to create a mega, a mega family. Right, they have this thing with the conclave, where um all the top houses meet up. You know what I mean? This this kind of Godfather esque type of situation, but Lucero, he double crosses everyone, kills the Colombians. And then takes out his dad, takes out his own dad, and um, you know he's trying to consolidate things. So obviously, right, he wants to get Maria and Max. Maria disappears. Max, because Max is, you know, he, he was looking to retire. He was doing one last thing. Then he was retiring, taking his son to, um, yeah, I think they're going to the beach. They're just going off somewhere. So, um, yeah. Kills, he, he sends his bodyguard, his top man, Finto, to um, kill Max and his son. And Finto leaves with blowing up the house. Right? So that's, that's essentially what happens at the very start. Right? That, that, that's the whole double cross which they mention. And... This film, jeez, the the open is crazy, right? Because it all feels a little like okay, that we're getting eased into things, right? Because we start off with an aerial view of Barcelona, and I have to say, the shots, the cinematography, Barcelona looks so good. Oh my days! Just just watching these opening shots, you just be like, "Man, I need to get to Barcelona." Why the fuck have I not been to Barcelona, right? So we see this nighttime shots. Then we start to hear a phone conversation. Right, it's Max talking to his kid, 
that I mean we don't know that but that's who we work out it to be right so he's talking to his kid we then have another phone call right between um their dad who is uh talking to um someone about like the deal and all of this so we have there's two things happening right so Lucero and Max have gone to the Colombians and the dad and Maria are going um they're well they're on their way to the Colombians for the conclave right so there's all of this is happening and you know so we just have Lucero come he gets out, they get out the car, and he just tells Max, oh, you stay here, I'm, I, you know, the Colombians know me, it's all gravy, boom, 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 and so he puts the money on the table, they're talking, and he opens up the bag of the money, and there's a surprise, and it all goes to shit, all goes to shit, and you're just like, Yo, what? And this is literally in the first, I don't know, like, four minutes, four fucking minutes of the film, we have shots fired, and it's frenzied, it is fucking frenzied, right, and you really get a, a tell on you know what kind of motherfucker Lucero is, like the laughter, the cackle, as everyone you know what I mean he's killing everyone is insane. Like there's a part where he lights a cigar off a flaming body, right? And he's like, ah, the taste of death. You're just like, jeez, man. They really, I say, look, they created a good, bad motherfucker in Lechero, right? Because what we learn is the dad sent him to Japan. Sent him to Japan to work with the Yakuza. You know, I mean, goals and all, right? You know what I mean? But it's like, um, what we get is he, he sent him there to learn loyalty, right? Hierarchy, all of that. And what we have is a guy that has embraced this feudal Japanese culture, right? But he kind of skips some parts of it. Right, the loyalty, yeah, fuck the loyalty. But some of all the other shit, he's just there. There's a scene later in the film where he's he someone has done something. I mean, it's kind of not their fault. They kind of got fucked over, but they were also, I think, they were skimming too. Uh, and he he he's telling Lechero what happened, and Lechero puts a knife in front of him, and he's like, huh? He's like, cut your tongue out. Cut your tongue out, and my bed will take you to hospital. You get healed up, and then you can get on with the business. But you won't be talking. Right? And he's like, oh shit. Oh shit. You know what I mean? It's like, choice. But that's the kind of uh, crazy motherfucker that, you know, Lucero is. But it works. It works, you know, he, he's this, you know, he wants to be this stylish, stylish bad motherfucker, right, that's the whole thing, but yeah, the, the opening of the film really, 
Oof. Really kind of sells us on all of it. But we get these crazy, just the fights. Man, the crazy fights, right? So when they go to kill Max, we get this close in, high intensity fight scenes, which are great. Oh, man. And, you know, what we learn from this fight scene is anything can be a weapon. Even a uh, picture hook. (laughs) Even a fucking picture hook can be a weapon. Right? It's just... Oh, my days. Right? But also, uh, I think a big thing. If you're hiding behind a sofa, don't leave your legs hanging out. Right? Because the whole thing is hiding, so no one can see you. Not, okay, you know, uh, most of me is hidden, but, you know, you can see my feet, so you know I'm here. Like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Like, the sofa's big enough for you to be fully behind it. Like, what the fuck, man? What the fuck? But, yeah, it's, it's a vicious open, right? So you get the hang of what the film is, but we then jump two years later, two years later, and we're with this young kid, Leo, right, with this young kid, Leo, he's a drug dealer, rides around the streets, making these deals on his little electric scooter, and, you know, we see him hanging out with his girlfriend, Daniela, and you see, that's a, that's a chick I think gets a bit of a raw deal. You know, she wants to spend time with um, Leo. He's always having to make these drug deals and everything like that. But, you know, they've got plans. They've got plans. They're trying to make money, you know, so they can move away and be happy and all of this. Right? That's the whole thing. But, right, we're watching this and we're like, how the fuck? Is this playing into anything? Right? It seems a bit weird. And all of a sudden, those two, they go past this garage. And there's a guy in there working out. Right? Beating in the punch bag and all of that. And and we we get a kind of gist of who it might be. But there's nothing on it. But we're kind of following Leo for a bit. You know, seeing his family life and all of that. But it isn't until one day Leo is, you know, he's trying to make this drug deal outside a nightclub. He's getting beaten up. And a guy is like, hey, stop that. It's Max. He, you know, he's got a beard. He's all rugged and shit. But, um, yeah, he beats him up saves Leo, you know, and that's when the kind of story really picks up again, right, now, there are, obviously, there's stuff with this, right, because you do kind of, I get it, Max has lost a son, but there is a lot of the stuff with Leo that you're just like, but what, like, why the fuck is he gonna be all... Hey, I'm going to hang out with this kid now. Which is a bit a bit like, it's a bit weird, right? There's some of that that's a little bit weird. And it does get into that odd shit. 
odd shit where, you know, a kid, like this young dude involved who can't fight, can't do shit, but gets himself in trouble constantly. Constantly. Which is just infuriating. Because, look, everything is really planned out. Right, so Max and Maria, you know, the sister. And as I say, she doesn't necessarily get a, a, a huge kind of, like, she's in it. But when you look around, they, they, Maria, she's not really mentioned when people talk about this film. But you feel she is a big part of it. She is the, um, I don't know, you might say oracle. Right, uh, Birds of Prey, um, Barbara Gordon, when she's in the wheelchair, orchestrating behind the uh, the computer screens and all of that. You know, she's planned everything out, right? She's orchestrating the revenge. Revenge ain't happening without Maria, right? Um, and there's other things, right? So there's this kind of, I don't know, it's a bit odd, right? There's this sexual kind of... Potential romance situation between Max and Maria that is never really played out on, which you know I I think that's not a bad thing, but there is the just the weird kind of comments and tension in the seat some of the scenes you're just like huh now it's fine because they and they're not blood right remember they're not actual brother and sister so it's fine but. Yeah, it's one of those weird kind of things that's kind of hinted at, but nothing really happens. So we don't know if maybe there were some other scenes that were cut, or just, yeah, they just don't go anywhere. But again, it's like Danielle, right? Because she she helps out a little bit, you know, she's got Leo's back, but again, that storyline kind of fizzles kind of fizzles, and you're just a bit like, and especially at the end, because the end, you're just like, wait, you couldn't have? Ah, oh, man, like, what? You're, especially with the plan, right, the plan they're talking about when we first meet them, you're just like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> That's some cold-ass shit, man. But, hey, even though, right, there are the... The irritating things in the film, which a lot of stories do, you know, like the kid, as I said, the kid can't fight for shit, but gets himself in trouble, right, which then puts everyone else in the shit, fucks up all the plans, right, even though you have all of that kind of stuff, you know, or... The, the highly orchestrated plan that then gets blown when someone does something stupid, but stupid for the right reasons, right, so, so we have things like that that happen in this film, it's a little predictable, you understand, you see them humming, but I have to say, the film, whew, if you want high-octane action, Oh my days, Extremo is gonna give it to you. Oh man, it is chock a block. Great fights, I mean, great fight scenes. You know what I mean? And also, some of that ridiculous action shit, right? I'm talking about when, um, 
you know, you, you have guys coming with um, machine guns and they blow up. Like they're walking through and they're shooting, but they're going up against a load of people. Right, they're going up against a load of people, but no one hits them. They're hitting all their targets. No one hits them, and you just say, "Hold on, you, 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 you're up against an army. They've all got machine guns. They're all shooting at you, but none of them can hit. None of them can get you." It's like that scene in Commander with Schwarzenegger and he's walking across the lawn and you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. there's not, not just one decent marksman in that whole motherfucking crew. Just not one. Come on. So we have those scenes, but it's fun, right? It's fun using, a, you know, a dead person as a shield. Oh, shit. We've got some one, one punch murders. It, it's some great shit. Some great shit happening. But as well as you've just got those normal fist fights, you've also got the martial art element, the martial art fights, which add another technical element to it all. Which is fun. Oh my days. It is like the, the, the choreography of the fights. Right, it's the, I have to say, it's top notch. Right? It's top notch. This film is definitely going to hit any fan. I say, look, it's an obvious, it's an obvious connection, but John Wick. Right, if you're a fan of John Wick, I'd also throw in the Crying Freeman. If you like Crying Freeman, people, you're gonna dig this. If you enjoyed Daredevil, the Netflix one, right? Not the yeah, definitely not the Ben Affleck, but Daredevil, the Netflix series, right? If you got Iron Fist, you know, I it, it, you're gonna like this. There's some good shit in here. There's some good shit in here, right? With some funny lines. Man, it just works. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I really did. So, people, if you have some time, right? So, the film is just under an hour and a half, right? So, if you've got that time, go check this out. Extreme, extremo. It is... (laughs) It is what you want out of an action film. Believe it, people. You know, good act, good acting, right? Yeah, believe it from all of this, all of our cast. <laughs> you believe the villains. You read all of them, motherfuckers. Woo! Yeah, you're you're not fronting on any of them, right? So we're down with all of those. Then just. Max, man, just, yeah, this is well worth the watch, well worth the watch, people, it's a great film, and, um, yeah, definitely try and check out more of the foreign shit, I mean, more of the dub shit, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm not watching any subtitled film, but, hey, these ones, I am fully on board with. So, um, yeah, Extremo is on Netflix now. And people, go check it out.
Well, people, we've got the Russo brothers, right? Maybe it's the time for the Rasso brothers. Because, you know what I mean, Mark Rasso's new film, Awake, has just hit Netflix. You know, and uh, he co-wrote the film with his brother. That's why I said, you know, the Rasso brothers. Because, yeah, he, he wrote the book, the, the book, he wrote the film with his brother Joseph. And um, you might know the name Mark Rasso because he directed... The, uh, I want to say it's 2014, 2014 film Copenhagen, which I very much enjoyed, and I believe that's on Netflix as well. Now, I do remember the, uh, the, the, the film, it does have some iffy moments regarding a dude and a girl, you know what I mean, but it was a good film, I did enjoy it, you know what I mean, so, um, Yes, this new film, it is now on Netflix. So, um, it's produced by Paul Schiff. It is, um, you know, got music from Antonio Pinto. Cinematography from Alan Poon. It's edited by Michelle Conroy. And the cast, well... It has a very good cast. Actually, it says story by Gregory Poirier, which um, I don't know. I'm I'm a bit confused about that one, but that's what it says. You know, because Rasso, I don't know, maybe he came up with a story and just Rasso wrote the screenplay. Maybe, maybe that's it. But uh, yes, the cast, we have Gina Rodriguez as Jill Adams. And like, I was watching it and I'm thinking, I know that girl. Who the fuck is this chick playing Jill? I know, I know it. And I, I, I couldn't place it. The name was on the tip of my tongue. And yes, then I find out, oh, it's Gina, of course, Gina Rodriguez. Okay, we have got... Um, Lucas Hoyes plays Noah, her son, and also Arena Greenblatt plays Matilda, her um, her daughter. Right. So we then have uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. She plays um, Murphy, a, a doctor. Uh, we've got. Um, oh, actually, Francis Fisher plays Doris, uh, her, her, um, Jill's mum. Well, a mother-in-law, I believe. I think, I think that's the gist, Dio. Uh, so, yeah, we've got a pastor, um, a pastor preacher played by Barry Pepper. Um, we've got a guy called Brian played by Finn Jones. A Dodge, played by Shamir Anderson. You know what I mean? He just, yeah, he, he, he's getting a few films. You know, he was in Cast Away. There was something else recently he was in as well. Um, but yeah, old Shamir is getting around. Um, I think they're, they're our kind of our main peoples, I would say. Right? I, I would say they're the, they're the main dudes up in this piece so 
the idea, right? The idea it's um after a devastating global event wiped out all electronics and eliminated people's ability to sleep, a former soldier may have found a solution with her daughter. Which I mean it's kind of right. I like I don't understand how these synopsises are always so bad, right? They're, they're never on point. Hey, it, it, it's it's crazy. It is crazy. But now it's interesting, right? Because the the way the film starts, I did think, oh, is this some sort of I don't know, like heist kind of you know crime piece? Because we have Jill, she's um she walks into a building. She we see her grab a cup from the bin, and we're like, hmm, what what are going on here? Right? Walks into the building, slips some money. So she does a little ting ting, right? And we're like, oh, okay. Because she's dressed as a, a well, you're not quite sure if it's security guard or a police officer. Right now, uh, later on in the film, you realize it's a security guard, but at the beginning, yeah, you don't know, right? So next we see her, she's in a car doing a little little side hustle. So we have all of this go down, and then we see her go to another house and pick up her kids. So yeah, we understand. That there is some sort of situation that has gone down, right? Now, it's never fully elaborated on. But her kids are under the custody of her mother-in-law. Um, and you kind of feel that, yeah, this was a court thing, possibly for drugs, Right, but then you we also know that Jill used to be in the army, so yeah, you kind of think it's a, it's a PTSD thing, but none of it is really elaborated on, right? Because the, uh, old army people helped to get a job and all of this, so you know it wasn't anything crazy, right? But there's a something going down, so yeah, it is a bit. Uh, what's the deal, man? Like, there's these threads that they're throwing out which are just in the wind. But, uh, you know, she picks up her kids and they're driving, but all of a sudden, like, the electrics in the car go, which causes an accident. The car goes into a lake. I mean, they, they survive, but her daughter Matilda nearly dies. Nearly dies, but is brought back to life by the paramedics. So we have all of this, but they, you know, they go to the hospital just to make sure she's fine. Because Jill's got a cut as well, and you know, the sun was in the water, so they're, they're looking to get everything sorted out. And when they get to the hospital, the magnitude of the situation, that's when it becomes a bit more clear. Because then we realise, oh, electrics, they didn't just go in the car. They've gone everywhere. Interesting. You know, so we we see all of this, right? And I, I think that's, right, that's when the story really starts to, uh, 
you know, really starts to kick in, because, you know, she, she goes to make another drug deal, um, so she's left the kids with her, with her mother-in-law, and she finds out, you know, like, the army are looking into this situation, you know, they, 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 like, no one can sleep, you know, because she's had difficulty falling to sleep, but she seems to have difficulty falling to sleep. It's a part of the PTSD. You know, so, um, yeah, she doesn't really think anything of it. But then when she's at the, the you know, her work, that she finds out, right, that no one's sleeping. It's an issue. There was a slower flare. Um, that's the disaster that mentioned in the bad synopsis. So we have all of this, and so she's trying to figure things out, right? Because as soon as they're told no one can sleep, she then realizes a little thing, and it's survival mode, right? It's survival, and this is the thing I I I enjoyed this film. So I've seen in places people are moaning about the pace of the film, but I have no issue with the pace of this film. Right? I feel it moves along It moves along at a speed that you would expect For this part of a story Now, if we were dealing with You know, the, 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 the army Right, if, if the focus wasn't on Jill and her family And it was on someone else in this, so maybe the army, someone in the army trying to solve what happened and all of this. Yes, we'd have a different pace, right? But when you're dealing with a more family focused issue, this makes sense. It makes sense. And everything that goes down, right? I feel we're dealing with stuff that you'd be like, yes, of course that shit would happen, right, it, in that sense, it reminded me a bit of, um, she, I think the first one, the first one, it was 28 days later, not, tw- yeah, it's, tw- yeah, of course, it's 28 days, because then it's weeks, right, so, um, yeah, that's the first one, and I, I thought, the way everyone reacted, you know, remember when they get to the army base, and the army dudes want to, they want to do bad things to the young girls, which is, you know, nasty, it's terrible, but, of course, right, when you've got a load of dudes who haven't had a little cut-off in a while, yeah, some people get craven, and they're kind of gully on shit, right, so, it made sense for that, right, luckily it didn't happen, you know what I mean? Spoilers, in case you ain't seen it, but why not? People, why the fuck not? But yeah, you know, I think sometimes you see these films and people, they have everyone acting in a righteous way and all of this, or everyone being, you know, bad, and it's just like, oh, what about the grey areas? And we're seeing a lot of grey area thinking, here, and not so much sometimes the grey area, but, right, it, it, it kind of gets broken down to you, the, the whole issues of sleep deprivation, and we know sleep deprivation is a thing, 
Right, because we often see it talked about in films Right, stuff like Bond and Born and, you know, those films Right, where, you know, they've got a prisoner And they're trying to get information Or our main character's getting tortured You know, you use things like that to fuck people up Right, and so that's explained Right, if you go without sleep for a period of time Your body starts to go into a certain way But for whatever reason This whole thing has sped it up a bit Right, so we're seeing people with this Weird kind of delusional um, Appellations and shit But also, what I thought was fun Because that's going down we see Jill do these little tests Trying to, you know, see Oh, where am I at, right? She's doing these memory things Trying to remember numbers and stuff like that And you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense, right? And especially when you consider she's ex-army So, you know what I mean? She would be a type of person that would, you know Be trying to check that shit Right, so we're seeing these parts of this story And the way different people act We have this whole religious element in there Which you've, again, right You're like, yeah I mean, I see that I see that Because how many times do we see people going Yes, the world is going to end on this day and, and like loads of people congregate And it gets a little like What is wrong with these people? You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, so we have that And, you know, there is a fun part with prisoners Right, these escape prisoners And, um, you know, when they see a woman Alone, well, alone with her kid yeah, You know, the, uh, the interaction that you would expect it's a slightly different one Which I thought was, you know, okay They spun it, they've spun it I mean, it's not new, we've seen it done before But it's always interesting when they play around, right? So, you know, we see things like that And it's just, uh, yeah the, the, the things people will do When everything goes to the wire And that's what we are seeing we're seeing these reactions and things like that And, you know, because, you know, there is a little bit of estrangement between the kids So, that you know, the daughter she's called, but she's, she's the younger one The son, he's a bit older And, you know, he, he's a bit bent out of shape, right? He's a bit, you know, he, he's the, the, the kid that calls his mum by her name rather than mum Right, and I like the fact that they didn't do a bit at the end where he goes, "Just come back, mum," you know, and she looks at him and goes, "He called me mum." Yeah, I mean, we didn't get any of that crap, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Rassos. Thank you, but we do see, you know, the 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 way everybody. Yes, yeah, starts to change You know, the, the son he, he finds out some information So now he's bugging on the mum to, uh, to follow through and do a thing 
But throughout, we're also seeing, as I said, look, she's testing her mind and we're seeing the lapses, right? We're seeing these lapses occur and the frequency of them gets shorter and shorter as the film is going on, which, you know, it's a it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting like uh thing way of doing things, you know, and the craziness of people, the desperation, it does, you know, it we see it rise, we see the escalation, and then the way it ends, right? I I did kind of think, hey, yeah, that that that's an interesting one, right? That's very interesting. Now, I I was a bit like when there is a revelation, right? I was a bit like, yeah, it kind of took you enough time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how the fuck did it take you this long to work that thing out? And then I I, I thought that the um the way around it, I was a bit like, okay. I kind of feel that there would have been an easier way of doing it, but hey, if that's how you're gonna do it, fine. All right, we will do that. But uh, no, I I very much enjoyed this film. You know, it, there's t- these there's definitely enough tense moments and impactful moments. You know, we're, we're seeing some people act in a completely, you know. Off-key manner That you wouldn't expect someone like that to do But then we see other people You know what I mean? Do stuff that you're like Okay, yeah, cool There are a few unexplainable bits Like, um There is a situation towards the end Where characters are left in a place And then they end up somewhere else With someone else And you're just like How? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like how are they with that person? That makes no sense. What the fuck is going on here? You know what I mean? But other than that, right? Other than that and the whole mysterious nature of Jill and the, you know, her, her, uh, oh, what do you, discharge from the army, you know, her possible post drug addiction, you know, like, that's not explained, there are a few holes with that, but, you know I mean, regardless of all of that, I did, yeah, it works, for me, I thought the film works, I thought everyone acted, I thought the acting was very good, you know, I thought the acting was very good, you know, whether it's, um, you know, Rodriguez as Jill, because we do see her trying to protect her family, you know, trying to ensure that she's taking care of them, regardless of anything else, you know, like, people like Brian, who, you know, we, we, we see him trying to be calm, trying to sort out a situation, but then we, 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 we see what happens when he's pushed, like the pastor, Right, we, we, we see that shit, which, you know, yeah, yeah I get it. it, it makes sense, it's all conveyed very well, like Jill's mum, Doris, 
you know, she she really, um, you know, we, we see that whole relationship and the nuances there. Then the kids, right? Now, look, we, we've seen um, Rosenblatt before. And she is, she's very good, right? You know what I mean? She, she's really uh, compelling in her performances. And again, she's, she's turned out another very good role, you know? So uh, that's very good, right? That's very good. So we see that, like the son Noah... You know, he he really does turn in a very good performance. Right, so yeah, I think we get some great performances. Like the story does move along. You know, and yeah, the the whole solar flare thing does like it's not really explained. You know, it is suddenly oh yeah, there was a solar flare. But you know, other than those things, hey. Uh, people, I think you'll like this. If you enjoyed the road, right? Because that there's there's parts of this film that definitely reminded me of the road. You know where Vigo Mordson is. Um, you know we see him trying to equip his son with knowledge on how to survive, because you know Mordson understands he's not going to be around forever. So it's those elements that are definitely in this film, you know. It's not, it it's not as bleak as the road. So don't worry. You know what I mean? It's not a dour, bleak, you know, depressing fest. Hey, and I say that in a good way because I did enjoy the road. I thought the road is an excellent film, but um, yeah, no. Um, Awake Hey, it's Man, I think you'll enjoy it I do think you'll enjoy it You know, as I said, look, if you like the road I saw so I've seen people Compare it to Bird Box You know, it, 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 it's got a kind of um, A quiet place Kind of vibe to me in the, in the fact that It's this family trying to survive you know, it's not a a crazy action thing, right? We're, but we're just seeing this family do everything they can to keep afloat, right? So, yes, people, I would say go check it out, you know? I had a thought of a different title. I think Awake, it's a little generic, right? There's so many films called Awake, but, you know, we'll give them a pass on that. We'll give them a pass on that, people. <laughs> but yeah, people, go check it out. You know? Go check it out. Awake. I feel we often wonder, right, how best to portray a certain topic. You know? How do we use media to show people what it might be like to go through a certain situation or to suffer with a certain ailment, a disease, you know, just a a situation from life, right? How do we capture that? You know, because with a lot of these things, you know, 
different people to experience them in different ways. You know, or they tweak it because it's like, ah, you know, we need to let the, let the audience know, right? It can't be internal, it can't be this, it can't be that. So you find through the years we've seen different different ways people have tried to portray like dementia, Alzheimer's, those sorts of things on the big and small screen. And the father, the father, man, this film, this new film from um, Florian Zeller, you know, this, it, it uses an, another way, another kind of um, framing device to let us understand. And it's something a little different. You know, it's something a little different, I have to say, right? So, the film is actually based on a play, right? It's, uh, the play came out in 2012. It was called Le Pire, which I'm, I'm assuming probably means the father in French, I'd imagine. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so Florian Zeller, he, he wrote that play you know and so um he decided he, he wanted to um adapt it adapt it for the big screen and crazy enough like while writing the script he used the name anthony as the name of the father the the older gentleman because in his mind he was thinking anthony hopkins would be perfect for this role and it just so happens he was lucky enough to get Hopkins to do it, right? So, um, yeah, so as I said, Florian, he, uh, he directed it. He co-wrote wrote it with Christopher Hampton, you know, and um, producing, we've got David Parfit, Jean-Louis Livy-Philippe, um, Libby, sorry, Philippe Carasson, Christopher Sapadon, and Simon Fuyend. Okay, so cinematography is Ben Smithered. It's edited by Yorgos Alaprios. And um, the cast, oh, the cast is pretty splendid. Right, we've got um, Anthony Hopkins as Anthony. Uh, we got Olivia Coleman as Anne. We have Rufus Swell as Paul. We have Imogen Potts as Laura. We have Mark Gatus as Bill. And Olivia Williams as Catherine. You know, it, it, yeah, it's a very, very, very good cast. You know, um, and they... Yeah, things shift. They they shift things about a lot, which is you know very um interesting, right? So the um the gist of the film is this, right? Um. So yeah, Hopkins he plays this um eponymous role of an. Mis uh, mischievous, mischievous 
and highly independent man who, as he ages, refuses all assistance from his daughter, Anne. Yet, such help has become essential following Anne's decision to move to Paris with her partner. As Anne's father tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, and even the fabric of his reality. So, yes. Now, I think what we... How this is presented to us is very interesting. You know, it, it, it's really interesting because we first, you know, are greeted with, like, Olivia Coleman, and she's walking down the street, right? We see her walking down these very nice streets, and she arrives at this place, and she comes up in the lift, and she goes, and, um, yes, she's gone to see her father, Anthony Hopkins. Right, Anthony. And they're having this conversation, and it's, you know, it's a pretty straightforward kind of thing. It's a very big, lovely-looking flat, right? I, I imagine it, you know, this being in, like, Kensington or maybe Chelsea, somewhere like that, right? And uh, yeah, they're having this conversation, and she tells him, oh, she's um, moving to Paris, Moving to Paris, and he's a bit like, hmm, what? No, why are you, are you? You know, and she's just like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, you know, my boyfriend, he, he lives in Paris, and I'm going to go, and he's just like, oh, you're seeing someone, and it's all this, you know, all of this, and then also they're having this conversation, because, you know, she's, essentially she's gone there, because, you know, um, someone that she'd employ to help him, give him assistance, he'd scared off, right, he's meant to have this home help, and he scared her off, and, you know, she's very like, yeah, you threatened her with physical violence, and you were very rude, and, you know, and he's like, no, 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 she was trying to steal from me, you know, and then he, she's like, well, did she? Or did you just misplace your watch? And it turns out he misplaced it. But, you know, it, it, it's this kind of, you know, the thing people do, right? When they've made the mistake and then you're trying to play it off like, oh, well, no, it was really, and you know, I, well, I did it like this because I'm, blah, blah, blah. right? So we have all of this. But, you know, it, it, it's kind of one of those things where things, yeah, it's, it's not really going anywhere, you know, the conversation, it's, you know, he's not really prepared to, um, you know, see things in the fashion of which they are, and, and you can see that, you know, she's being very, you know, Anne's feeling very frustrated, you know, she's very just like, ah, I don't, like, what is happening here, like, what... <sighs> what what are we doing, you know? But I I feel like it then gets really compelling, you know. I mean, you think this is a standard story, you know. You think it's just like a, a normal situation, but what is fascinating 
what makes it really fascinating is the well there's the use of cameras right because we get these these close-ups and then suddenly when we pull back we've had a shift here yeah, and, and that's very interesting you know just the way that they've decided to you know tell the story and play with the dynamics of the scene you know the vision what what we believe is the reality you know that is you know the fascinating way in which the story is unfolding in front of us you know because yeah we have you know him believing you know things are one way then suddenly like everything has changed everything has changed but it's changed in a way that is a slight shift you know it, we're not doing anything crazy here it's these little minute shifts it's the kind of shift where if you just turned away if you blinked then you'd be like wait something something shifted huh what's i don't know right because you know she's talking about how you know she her boyfriend is in paris then suddenly her boyfriend is here right and it's just like wait what and so everything is you know it's moving along and it's just like well oh so we're just going to eat you know um oh look uh, here's bill and um yes and we're gonna do and he's just like what i don't how is things shifting no 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 and it, it you know you're kind of fooled right the viewer is now slightly wait did i miss something here right um no no i've been following this no 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 this is no this is moving it was meant to be like and so yeah you you're just you know you're enthralled because of the shift because of the way things are playing and we get a you know again a shift in the the way the characters are moving and presenting themselves you know at the beginning you know we we have Anne you know Coleman's character and she's a bit yeah you can see she's very frustrated and she's upset and she's just you know I don't know what to do I don't know what to do like we can't leave the situation as it is but now it's a bit like oh you know complete she's you know she's different you know she's a bit more like oh dad come on ah you know you yeah you're messing with you you know you're just a little don't worry like sit down dinner's gonna be ready soon you know oh you know we'll just do this and so every time like every time you get these shifts you know, even though we might be seeing the same character, they've altered slightly, you know, like a clock dial, you know, they've just moved, moved slightly around, 
you know. So, or it's a different season. You know what I mean? It's like the same year, but it's a different season. And so we are getting this new kind of facet of the story, you know, of this piece. Which, yeah, you, you're just, man, you, you're kind of mesmerized because, you know, it's trying to work out, okay, so what is the real reality here? You know, what is the thing that we are meant to be anchoring in? You know, because we have, with every single shift, it's like, huh. And another really kind of crazy thing is suddenly the daughter changes, you know, and changes. You know, he so said, now we have a different actress. So you're like, whoa huh like wait hold on a second huh you know and, and that's fascinating you know and boyfriend changes we get these different shifts these different kind of you know are they realities are they fever dreams you know what's right what's wrong and this, this interpretation of the dementia, oh, it, it, you know, it's, it's genius, right? Because by shifting things, by playing with the concept of this is my reality, right, you get that insight, you get that insight into, because I think, uh, not everyone, but a lot of people have spoken to people with a dementia or an Alzheimer's or a, a memory affliction. You know, and it is a, a fog, right? It, and it is a thing where you can be talking to someone and there's this lucidity about them that then suddenly shifts. Right, and the shifts can be slight or they can be huge. And then suddenly they go back, go back to that starting point. Sometimes they never do, right? Until, you know, a while later, a day, a month, you know, who knows? But it's this, you know, moving, revolving tapestry that we, you know, can find ourselves in. And, you know, Florian does a, a very good job of, you know, bringing this to life. Bringing this to life. And, you know, Coleman and Hopkins, you know, Gatiss, just everyone, everyone we see does a really, you know, like, fantastic job of portraying these different versions of characters, different versions of self, you know, these moving shadows within, you know, Antony's mindscape. And we get these different emotions, you know, sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're 
frustrated. Sometimes we have the sadness. You know, we have the frustration. It it all plays out in this way that, whew, I mean, you, you get shivers at some points. You know, there's this one confrontation. You know, I think it's... Uh, I think it's Rufus Swole's Paul, I believe, and, you know, this, because a really important point with all of this is it's the way, you know, obviously it's the way it affects Anthony, but then it's this, you know, ripple effect you know, the effect it has on those around him, you know, because, look, people care, people love, but when you're in that 24-7, you know, constantly, it's like the way a river will erode a rock, you know, it's a gradual thing, but it does do it, you know, it, it will eventually work its way through that rock, and we see that, right, and I think the, the thing with Paul, obviously, you know, he cares about Anne, so he's seeing the way she's being at times manipulated, other times it's, you know, she's just putting herself on hold because she wants to make sure that Anthony is, you know, well and catered for, you know, but it means shifting with his whims, and I mean whims is not quite the thing, because yeah, you know, you know, sometimes you think it's probably the dementia, other times, well, other times it is him exerting his authority in the only way he can, but, you know, Paul is, you can see the frustration this is having on him, you know, he wants Anne to be happy, and then it's like, well, it's affecting my life as well, you know, it's affecting my happiness, and you, that is all projected, that is all given to us, we get this fascinating little kind of, I don't know, fever dream from Anne at one point, which, you know, you do, man, you do feel it's real, you do feel it's real, and then suddenly, boom, we, we cut, and that's great, because we get those, we get those moments, these, these breakaways, right, so, within them, within this, this shift, you know, you do sometimes think, wait, is this a shift, or is this the reality that we are now in, <laughs> people, it, it's just the way the father, you know, revolves around Anthony, you know, it's like he is, you know, at the centre of this universe that he's working around, and as we move, we get this new, you know, this new season, and it is always fascinating, it's fascinating how, you know, this revolves, how it moves, and as I said, it, a lot of the camera work, you know, because we see his flat, 
you know i think that's the thing as well at the very beginning although you know we don't walk around a fat but we see some key things like these key paintings and oh so the doorway and this and this and okay so the living room is like this and the kitchen is like that you know we get this kind of understanding of so with the way you know we might suddenly focus in on Anne or Anthony Bill or Paul you know maybe Lucy and then when we suddenly move back now we're somewhere else right we're somewhere else but it still kind of looks like the original place so then you're like okay so where actually is he you know and that's a and even at the end even at the end you know you you know you start off with that thinking okay is he in hers he's oh you know it, it does this fantastic thing i think one thing that really ah oh, it, it's a great way of kind of summing all of this up right it's like um you know he's he says i don't want to lose my leaves i don't want to lose you know lose my leaves and have these barren branches which is you know i think is it's a it's such a fascinating way to kind of you know encapsulate what dementia does you know because think right we start off you know if we are saying life is like a tree we start off as that sapling as that seed and we grow you know we're bald and as we gain knowledge as we gain experience as the years move you know our branches grow we get the foliage we get our leaves we get our fruit our flower but it then you know changes so <laughs> as you reach a certain point now that is going in reverse you know the leaves will fall you know the fruit will wilt the flower no longer blossoms until you are back to this bare frame at the end you know it's just like oh you know as soon as he says it you just the the imagery that comes to mind is like yes oh that's perfect that really is and you know i feel Obviously, there's going to be people that might go, I don't really feel this, D, you know, my mother or my father or my, meh, 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 you know, they don't experience it like this. You know, it, it's different for them. And that's fine. You know, because it's not going to be the same for everyone. But I feel that what we have with the father, you know, what we have with these just... Oh, these fantastic performances, you know, this great writing, the cinematography, you know, all of it, you know, because we see a, an aging of the character too, 
So the makeup people, they've done this, uh, this really splendid job of, you know, because when we first meet Anthony, he looks healthy. You know, he looks, you know, I would say vigorous for a, a man of his age. You know, but as things move on, he suddenly you see the wear, right? You see the wear in the face, the wrinkles, the the, the well, I forget what those those marks that old people get. Like those become more prevalent, you know. And we see that change. Yo, know, we see the changes in Coleman as we are taking her from different mood points, right? All of this and all of this comes together to create this story. This story that just, oh, I think, I think it just does a, a, a really, you know, a really great job of showing us a, just a side of dementia, right? An insight into it, a different gaze. Because we've had films, you know, think of um, As Good As It Gets, right? I feel that was one. The Notebook, that's one, uh, you know, everyone knows. Um, like Harry, um, Harry McQueen, just last year, he had Supernova, which is a, you know, a different take on the thing completely. You know, and so we have all of these films that give us this different, you know, different insight into this thing. And the father, who I feel the father can stand tall with these other films. You know, it, it's definitely a compelling film. And the performances, well, the performances are, you know, they're top notch, right? We have such a talented cast and they do not disappoint people. They really do not. So, if you get a chance, I definitely recommend going to view The Father, you know. And I really enjoyed the use of music within the film as well, you know. It, it just, all the facets come together to bring us this, well, it's a magnificent tree with all its leaves. <laughs> And they all tell us a, uh, you know, a compelling story. So, you know, for a new insight into dementia, into old age, and, you know, everything that comes with it, people, definitely check out The Father. <laughs> Okay, people, so now we are at that point again. We're at the close of the episode, but before we bounce, let's take a look at uh, some film news. You're in us making the rounds, and um, yo, this I mean, it seems kind of crazy, right? Because we are getting a sequel to a old, old film, right? Peter and Bobby Farley are doing a new Kingpin number. Yeah, you know what I mean? It seems kind of crazy, you know, but that's what's happening. Woody Harrelson's uh, 
yeah, much loved film is getting a new iteration. So, um, supposedly, years later, a down and out Roy stumbles upon his ticket to fame and fortune when he discovers an Amish bowling phenom, Ishmael, played by Randy Quaid. Um, actually, that might be the old film. Hmm, I don't even know. Um, I have no clue. To be honest, people, I've never seen Kingpin. But, uh, yeah, you know, they're working on it. They're working on it. So we'll see what happens. All right. So, uh, in other news, Paramount Plus are really upping their, uh, you know, their offering. So, you know, now there is the two tiers. You've got the lower tier at $4.99, but will come with adverts, you know. And then you have got the $9.99 a month premium, which is ad-free. So, uh, it would seem, right, because this week... Um, the new Mark Wahlberg film Infinite is out And um, you know It's going exclusive To Paramount um, And so um, Yeah what they're going to be doing Is dropping 1,000 Premium Movies 1,000 premium Movies You know From now until the end of of summertime that is a lot you know so you're going to see things such as skyfall mission impossible ghost protocol rocket man crawl pet cemetery the full monty adam's family you know judy well just to name a few people so if you are fans of all of that, hey, it's going to be a good summer for you, for real. You know, um, now, here's something, right? Rob Zombie is um, rebooting the monsters. Huh. I mean, it, it seems probably more like something we'd get out of... Um, Oh God! The dude is married to Helena Bottom Carter, but they're no longer married, and I can't think of his fucking name. But that dude—that's that's the person I'd have thought would be doing a monsters film. But no, it's old Robbie Boy Zombie. Um, so yeah, it's coming via Universal Pictures and one fourteen forty Productions. And um, it, it's going to be a straight to Peacock film, it would seem. So, um, Zombie put out a, a statement Attention, boils and ghouls, the rumors are true. My next film project will be one I've been chasing for 20 years The Monsters. Stay tuned for exciting details as things progress. So, um, yeah, if you're a fan, people, it's coming. Now, um, yeah, 
we are getting, I mean, it seems a bit weird, okay? especially because, you know, I actually, I'm not going to go down that line, but anyway, we are getting a, a film about, uh, it would seem, the fall of Harvey Weinstein, it's called She Said, and Carrie Marigan, Carrie Mulligan even, and Zoe Kazan will be playing um, the journalists that brought him to his knees. So, uh, yeah, you uh, you have that, people. You have that. So, Rebecca Lenkwikazix is um, writing the script. And Maria Schrader will be directing the piece. Alright, so um, also in other news, right, Searchlight uh, are bringing us the menu. It's a um, a dark comedy, uh, and it's going to be starring Anna Anya Taylor Joy, you know, um, alongside Ralph Fiennes. Right, so supposedly it's in the world. Of um, eccentric cul- culinary culture and centers on a young couple who visit an exclusive restaurant on a remote island where an acclaimed chef has prepared a lavish tasting menu. Right, so, um, yeah, Joy, Taylor Joy, um, is one half of the couple. Finds plays the chef. Will Tracy and um, Seth Reese will be writing to script. So, uh, um, in other news, people, you know, now this is interesting. Um, because you know, I thought Liam Neeson had retired from action roles, and I, I, I mean, you, I guess you could quibble. That this might not be action per se. No. Right? So, uh, yeah. William Neeson is going to be playing Philip Marlowe. Now, the famous Raymond Chandler private dick. You know? So, um, they're calling the. uh, Yeah. They're, they're, they're calling that this will be um, going to uh, sale at Cannes, right? To, to shop it around. So we'll see what happens with that. But, um, you know, I, 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 yeah, the books are pretty good, right? So um, Neil Jordan is on board to direct. So we'll see what um, he's able to do. Uh, William Monaghan will be writing the script. You know what I mean? So yeah, could be fun. Could be fun. Now we've got a couple of DC feature news. Um, yeah, so uh, they are doing a League of Super Pets. Right. So um, yeah. I think it it was, uh, you know, out recently that Dwayne Johnson would be voicing Crypto the Superdog, right? Kevin Hart 
is going to be voicing Ace, right? Kate McKinnon, uh, Vanessa Bayer, John Kranaski, Diego Luna, Natasha Leon, and Keanu Reeves are also on board to uh, voice other famous pets from the uh, superheroes of the DC Universe. So Jared Stern will be writing and directing and it's earmarked to be dropping May next year. Now also, right, um, you know, they uh, we got word um, uh, earlier in the year, or it could have been late last year, that uh, Angel Manuel Soto would be... Um, Directing Blue Beetle, right? DC's first Latino hero, Jamie Reyes. Um, you know, he's um, I think he's like the third iteration of the character, right? Um, Gareth Dunnett Alcara is writing the script. Right, and um, yeah, they, I think the film is now looking to be a HBO Max exclusive. So, um, yes, you have that people to look forward to. Now, we've got um, yeah, some interesting news here because Brian Fuller, right, he, he's been. Playing in the TV world recently, but uh, he's coming to the movies, right? Because he will be making his directorial debut with an adaptation of Stephen King's Christine at Sony and Bloomhouse, right? So, um, you know, we had the 80s iteration, so yeah, now we're gonna get a new one. About, uh, you know, a shy teenager who comes out of his shell after he buys a 1958 Plymouth Fury. Ah, because the car has a mind of its own. So, yeah, have that to um, look forward to. You know, so um, Vincenzo Natalie and Stephen Hoban are on board to produce. And um, it's interesting when we talk about Stephen King because, uh, yeah, Joe Hill, right, is, um, yeah, he's got a, a little sign coming, right? So, um, yeah, well, Natasha. Kamani is adapting a, a, a Joe Hill short story, Abraham's Boys. Right, so it, I think it's being hailed as a Dracula follow-up, as such. Right, and follows Abraham Van Helsing's sons Max and Rudy, who know nothing of their father's past and don't understand his overprotective attitude and strange behavior. Making things worse, Abraham is becoming increasingly more unhinged, paranoid, and violent. 
The film will explore the boy's trauma through the eyes of a young Asian woman who is no stranger to death. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> it's not catching me, but hey, who knows, right? So a little Netflix news. Right, so um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is starring in a new um, assassin flick called Kate And it will be hitting Netflix on the 10th of September Right, so um, yes, the, uh, the assassin is uh, poisoned whilst on a job in Tokyo And has only 24 hours to live she uses that time to hunt down and kill those who gave her a death sentence Which is a little ironic <laughs> It is directed by Cedric Nicholas Troyon uh-huh. And it also stars Woody Harrelson uh, Mikhail Huseman Tadunabu Asano Jun Kunumura and Moyavavi. So, um, yeah, I do like an assassin flick. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that one. Also, over at Netty Flicks, Jennifer Lopez has just signed a, a huge first look multi year deal. So, her new Eurekan production company. Is going to be churning out a lot of stuff, you know. So, um, yeah, they're, they're on board for films and TV programs, along with scripted and unscripted material. So, uh, yes, now, um, it that situation includes Mother from uh, Nikki Cairo. You know, which uh, Lopez is starring in And also The Cypher Which is about an FBI agent Hunted by a serial killer Um, Also people Right Now this is fun Because we know we're getting a fourth John Wick film But Bill Skarsgård is joining the cast so um that that is pretty frigging fun i'm uh, you know haven't been disappointed by any of the wick films to date so yes now you know hey like um we've got the uh you know the the big lord of the rings series coming to amazon but we are also getting an anime feature. Yes. I mean, it seems odd, but that's what we're getting, right? And it's set like the anime, like the Amazon series. This will be set a long time before Lord of the Rings, right? So um, it's been called the War of Rohirrim. And um, it's a standalone, right? And, you know, it's a story that was talked about in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So, um, I'm down to see um, this brought to life, you know? 
it should be fun as hell you know so helm head and all of that you know so um it, you know, obviously, yeah, it, it follows the Ninth King of Rohan, right? But they, they're saying they're going to expand the story of the fortress that bears King Helmhead's name, Helm's Deep. Um, yeah, so we'll see what they do with that, you know? It could very well be fun. I, it's, it's odd that it's going to be an anime, but, you know, fuck it. I am on board. So, um, yeah, that's it. People, we are done. We're going to bounce because the music has stopped. All right, people, until next week, take it easy, have fun, enjoy your films. Peace.